podcasting time. I am Jonathan Isaacson, and this is Just Another Jerk, Dispatches from Japan, the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Remember to rate the show, and if you've got a minute or two, leave a review. And of course, share it with a friend. Been a minute since I last podcasted. Uh, I know, I know. Um, you know, been busy with work. You know, the the thing that actually brings in the yen. Um, but now we are well into the term. You know, things are settled into a routine. And I've got, you know, a little bit of a chance to take a breath. Get something out here on the podcast, hopefully. You know, on top of that, though, I've been having a bit of... It's not writer's block, you know, I guess podcaster's block. Um, you know, nothing has been really sparking my interest, nothing that I want to talk about, nothing I want to share. Um, so yeah, if, if you are one of my five listeners, um, and there's something you would like me to talk about, send it my way. I would love to hear your questions, your thoughts, your comments about, well, anything really. I mean, especially obviously Japan, but I'll talk about anything, right? This podcast isn't exclusively Japanese things, just almost entirely Japanese things. Um, But I will talk about other stuff. Hit me up is what I'm saying. But I do have something for you today. Um, This is actually the 50th official episode, regular episode of the podcast, I guess, the way I'm counting them. Um, And there was much rejoicing. Yay. Um, If you look at the podcast feed, obviously there are more than 50 episodes. I think it's closer to 60. Um, But there were a lot of episodes I did that were COVID casts, uh, talking about how Japan was doing with the COVID crisis. Um, And I don't count a lot of those in the official numbers. Um, Although speaking of COVID, um, just real, real quick aside here, Japan has been doing really well all of a sudden in combating the rona so we had a major wave of you know of the coronavirus covid after the summer olympics kind of in august um early september and now we're seeing like for the entire country something like 500 cases a day um which yeah, it, it apparently it's kind of baffling a lot of the experts. Um, it's also leaving them a little bit, well, it's leaving them kind of a mixture of optimistic, but also worried, um, optim- optimistic that Japan is doing something right. And maybe if we keep this up, you know, Japan will be back to completely back to normal. I mean, we're pretty close to back to normal as it is, but hopefully maybe completely back to normal. But at the same time, worried that, Maybe this will cause people to let their guard down and they'll go back to going out and drinking at pubs and being kind of dumb about their mask, you know, mask and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there, there's like I say, it's this mixture of optimism, but worry, a worried optimism, um, worry that it that it won't last. Although it's worth pointing out that the vaccination program in Japan Though it was very slow to roll out, uh, once they got going, they've really picked it up. I mean, apparently something like 70% of the entire population is vaccinated now, like fully vaccinated, which is, that. hey, great. Um, our household, we're, part, we're among that 70%. So um, 
Obviously, the little one, she can't be vaccinated yet, but the the two adults in the house are both fully vaccinated. So that's great. Um, and of course, everyone still wears masks because it's because Japan, right? Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, vaccinations plus masks, maybe that's causing a big, you know, a big part of the reason why the, the rates are basically falling through the floor um, in all of Tohoku, like the northeast of Japan where I live now. I think the last couple of days there there were single digits, like you know, all of Tohoku was like six people or something. So, that, hey, great. But anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about today. Let's talk about Kisakata. You have probably never heard of it. Unless you know me, well, okay, if, if you're one of my five listeners, you might have heard of Kisakata because you know me. Um, if you're one of, if you're the weird one person who doesn't know me and you're listening, listening to this podcast, you probably don't know Kisakata. So what's Kisakata? Um, well, Kisakata was a town in southwestern Akita prefecture up here in Tohoku, uh, the northeast. Now, I say was because the town of Kisakata, right, Kisakata town officially disappeared in 2006 when it merged with two neighboring towns. Um, it merged with Konora and Nikaho, and it became Nikaho City. Now, Kisakata still exists as a district within Nikaho City. Right? It's still actually part of the mailing address uh, for people who live in what used to be Kisakata Town. Um, you know, and it, it makes it makes it very long, very hard to write people's addresses on like our New Year's cards that we send out every year. All my friends up in Kisakata, they have very long addresses. It does it doesn't fit very well on a New Year's card, but you know, you make do. You make it fit. But um I the other two towns that merged, Konoda, Nikoho, um, those names disappeared. Now, I know that the city's name is Nikaho, but it's written differently than the old town's name. So Nikaho Town and Nikaho City, they're written differently. It's complicated, um, but just to suffice to say, Kisakata is the only town name that was preserved in the addresses. And why is that the case, I can hear you saying? Well, not really, obviously. I mean, this isn't some sort of two-way conversation. I mean, this isn't live either. There is absolutely no way that I could actually hear if you're asking me that question. But, I mean, come on. This is, it's just, it's artifice. Just, you know, calm down. Don't get your pants in a twist. I can't really hear you asking that question. But, anyway. Now, the reason the name Kisakata still exists as a district within Nikaho City has something to do with today's podcast topic, which is history. Yes, this is another episode of the Everything You Never Wanted to Know About Japanese History sub-pod, sub-whatever series. So we're talking about the history of Kisakata, because it has quite a lot of history for a seemingly out-of-the-way rural town which is halfway to nowhere. Um, it, it's not in the middle of nowhere, I'll give it that. It's just halfway to nowhere. Um, so let's get into it. Now, Kisakata, which 
incidentally, um, is written with kanji, uh, with the Chinese characters that are used in, in the Japanese language. The kanji for kisakata is essentially impossible to read unless you have prior knowledge of the name of the place, right? Uh, one thing I like to do with people who aren't from, like Japanese friends who aren't from the area, I'll show them the kanji. I'll show them the name, kisakata, and say, hey, how do you read this? And their best guess is usually zogata, shogata, some, something like that. But the name is very old, and that's a big reason that the uh, the kanji, the, the reading, is so strange. Why what most people think looks like zogata is read kisakata. Doesn't sound anything... I mean, the kata part, yeah, that's easy. But the first part, there's two characters. The first character... No one can read it as kisa. It's very strange reading. Um, it has to do with clams, with bivalves, um, apparently, oddly enough. Um, let's not get into that. That's that's not really that interesting. Um, it's inter- interesting to me because I'm a language person. But let's talk about kisakata, what kisakata used to be a long, long time ago. Now, kisakata lies at the base of Mount Chokai. Uh, Mount Chokai is a 2,236 meter, or uh, that's 7,300 feet, I believe, a little over 7,300 feet. Mount Chokai is a volcano. It's a big volcano. Um, I mean, 7,300 feet doesn't sound that high, but the cool thing about Mount Chokai is that you can see the entire 2,236 meters. So the western slope of the volcano runs all the way down into the Sea of Japan. And I got to look at that mountain every single day from my bedroom window for three years when I lived in in Kisakata. It is a gorgeous mountain. It really is a beautiful mountain. And it's not really part of any mountain range. There aren't any other big mountains nearby. It really is just this singular large mountain and it's just there by itself there's a plateau next to it but it's a plateau it's not a mountain so yeah chokai really is the singular mountain and it's right there on the coast of japan and kisakata is kind of right there at the base of the mountain but also on the sea of japan and a long 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 time ago we're talking uh, 466 BCE, Mount Chokai had this massive eruption, like this huge cataclysmic eruption, um, and it ejected a lot of rocks, lava, ash, you know, normal volcano stuff. You know, Chokai was just volcanoing it up. And a bunch of that volcanic stuff ended up in the sea. And one spot where a bunch of it ended up was it was a pretty shallow area. And over time, all that volcanic material, it collected silt and mud and dirt and, you know, that normal stuff. You know, you got water moving in and out. It's going to bring dirt. It's going to bring silt, sand, whatever. And, you know, after a while the shallow section of the sea where that volcanic material had collected, it turned into a very shallow, and we're talking like about a meter deep, this very shallow lagoon. 
and the lagoon was filled with these small islands. Now, they always call it the 99 islands uh, because that sounds very nice, very poetic, very nice. Um, in actuality, I think it was 102 islands, but, you know, island. I keep saying islands. They're, they're not, they're islets. Like, they're just these tiny little dots in this lagoon. It's not a, it wasn't a giant lagoon to start with, but yeah, 90, not 102 uh, little islets in this very shallow lagoon. And right on the edge of the lagoon, right, it wasn't actually an island. Um, it was, it was land that was created by, you know, the same volcano-y stuff. Um, but on, so this, this little spot right on the edge of the lagoon in the ninth century of the common era. So we're, we're common era now, obviously, um, in the ninth century, a temple was established. And to this day, there is still a temple on the same site. Not the original building or anything, obviously. Um, there are some pretty old structures, you know, on the temple site. Um, nothing from that long ago, but probably from like five, six hundred years ago. I think there is some stuff that old. Um, but yeah, there, the, say, the, the temple, it's a very nice temple, and it's called Kammanji. And Kammanji was built right on the edge of this beautiful lagoon. Um, and the lagoon was called Kisakata. Um, so kata in this, the way this, this character that it's, this, this usage, kata means lagoon. So it was Kisa referred to the bivalves, the, the, I think clams, mussels, whatever it was, the type of clam. So it was clam lagoon, basically. Not as poetic, but Kisakata. Now the temple and the lagoon they grew to be incredibly famous all across ancient medieval Japan, well into the early modern era. And it became so famous that Matsuo Basho came to visit. Now, who's that, you might be asking? And I say to you, what? You don't know Matsuo Basho? One of the most famous poets in Japanese history, the man who made the haiku what it is today, you know, the guy who wrote Okuno Hosomichi or The Narrow Road to the Interior, as it is sometimes known in English. You don't know that guy? Really? And now you're probably saying, oh, that Matsuo Basho. I thought you were talking about some other Matsuo Basho. My bad. And then I respond by saying, okay, we cool now? Anyway. Where was I? Right, Matsuo Basho. So, when Matsuo Basho made his long trip across the north of Japan in 1689, the point furthest north that he traveled was Kisakata. He apparently stayed for a, quite, for a little while, you know, by the lagoon, riding the little boats that were, you know, going around the islets in the lagoon, and two haiku that he wrote about Kisakata made it into his magnum opus, right? The collection I mentioned earlier, the Okunohoso Michi, um, you know, the narrow road to the interior. One of the haiku compared Kisakata to Matsushima, uh, and Matsushima is a collection of small islands in the Pacific Ocean, um, just a bit north of Sendai. So both these places were in Tohoku, up in the north. 
which is probably another reason they were compared. Um, but yeah, Matsushima, it's still there today. You can go see it. It's next day, close to Sendai, close to where I live now. And one of one of the haiku compared Matsushima and Kisakata. The other haiku in Okonohoso Michi in his collection of uh, of poems and uh, and writings. Um, the other one compared the beauty of the lagoon to the beauty of one of the classical Chinese beauties of myth and legend. So yeah, Kisakata was a big deal back in the 1700s, you know, 1600s, 1700s. It was a big deal. Kisakata was one of the places to be, apparently, if you wanted to, you know, if you like that kind of thing. And it probably would have remained so, excepting for that pesky earthquake of 1804. Starting in 1801, following another major eruption of Mount Chokai, the areas around Kisakata and, you know, just everything around Mount Chokai, it was really, really unstable, right? Continued eruptions, uh, earthquakes for three years until late at night on the 10th of July, 1804, a massive 7.0, magnitude 7.0 earthquake struck. The epicenter was some 20 kilometers or so south of the lagoon. So pretty close for a mag for a magnitude earthquake that like 7.0. That's a big earthquake, especially when you're that close to the epicenter. The shaking raised the earth, right? If the ground rose 1.8 meters. That's taller than me. The ground was below my feet now it's above my head that's that's a lot of that's a lot of movement and remember the lagoon how deep it was the one meter deep lagoon drained back into the sea of japan at least 500 people died in the disaster there was a tsunami as well because like say massive earthquake a lot of yeah it it was not a good thing that happened. It was, it was a horrible thing that happened. And obviously loss of life, but also the loss of this iconic lagoon. Following the draining of the lagoon by the the earthquake, the local daimyo, um, so daimyo is some something like Duke, maybe, maybe like an Earl. Um, it's nothing like the Duke of Earl, but... Uh, yeah, so the local daimyo, he was a pretty low-level daimyo, but he was still he was still a daimyo. He was still, you know, a samurai. Um, so he, he was a big deal, in the area at least. He wanted to level the islands because now here was all this new land to plant rice fields. I mean, sure, they could plant rice around the islands, the, what, was the, what had been the bed the, the, the lagoon bed, but it would be so much easier without those pesky islands. However, the priests at Kanmanji at the temple, they pleaded with the daimyo to keep the islands, both kind of as a reminder of the disaster and as a tribute to the lives lost. Apparently, one of the priests was even willing to die for the cause. Eventually, the daimyo relented, and the islands were left in place as they were. You know, and the rice 
they did. They planted the rice around all the little islets. And it's kind of cool because in the spring, if you go there now, in the spring, when, you know, the rice plants are still very small and the patties are full of water, you can still get an image of what it might have looked like, you know, back 250 years ago, 300 years ago when, when Basho visited. You can still imagine what it looked like. If you if you feel, you know, if you ever feel inclined, if you're ever in Kisakata, there's a nice little walking path that it goes from, uh, starts at Kanmanji and kind of goes out around what used to be the lagoon, go to some of the islands, some of the larger islands of these 99, really 102 islands. And after the earthquake, though, Kisakata really no longer had its claim to fame. And, you know, 19th century tourism market, it just wasn't there anymore. No one really wanted to go see what used to be a really beautiful lagoon. And so Kisakata kind of fell into obscurity after that. Which is kind of a shame in some ways. And in other ways, it's kind of nice. Um, Well, how is it a shame? Well, obviously, Kisakata, now Nikaho City, um, like a lot of places in rural Japan, it's in decline. Economically, demographically, just, yeah, it's not doing well um, in those regards. You know, Kisakata... Nikaho, really, they had it. There's a lot to offer. There's one of the largest Michinoeki. Um, there are these, it translates to road station, which is hard, it doesn't convey what it really is. So, it, what is it? The one in Kisakata, it's a, it's kind of a farmer's market slash fisherman's market, uh, slash onsen slash rest area slash restaurant banquet hall souvenir shop all rolled into one big ball and it's actually really cool i love the michinoeki in kisakata it's great um you know and if you want to go see nature kisakata is an amazing place to do that there are a couple of really cool waterfalls right obviously you've got mount chokai right there you've got some really cool forests um, hot springs, cold springs. You've got the coast of the Sea of Japan, but not that many people want to go see it because it's out of the way. Most of Japan's economy is focused on the Pacific side of the country. There's some on the Sea of Japan side, but not nearly as much as on the Pacific side of the country. And so people just don't go to Kisakata, which means they're not spending the money that Nikaho and Kisakata really need at this point. Because like I say, economically, it's not doing very well. But at the same time, it does mean that if you if you do go to Kisakata, if you do go to Nikaho, you can see these things in peace and quiet. Right when I lived there, it was so easy to go see all these amazing places, go to these beautiful, gorgeous places in nature without crowds. Right, you could have the Naso Falls, the Mototaki Falls, 
all to yourself. No one around. Even on a Saturday. Even on a Sunday. It was wonderful. And I'm sure it's still largely that way. I'm sure sometimes there may be small crowds, but never like Tokyo, never like even Sendai. If you want peace, if you want a chance to connect with nature, Kisakata is a wonderful place to do it. And it was the first place that I lived when I moved to Japan. And I've gone back a bunch of times. Not for the last couple of years, thanks to the Rona, but hopefully next year I'll be able to go visit again. Right? Hopefully the mountain bike ride that I do every year will resume after a four-year break. Um, two years lost to typhoons and two years lost to the coronavirus. Ugh. Well, hopefully I can go back see some of the things that made me love Japan all those years ago now. And that is where we will leave it today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever it is that you cast your pods and share the podcast too. Uh, The podcast is available on pretty much all the major platforms, right? Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Pandora, uh, Amazon, uh, probably some others, but those are the big ones, I think. Um, If it's not on your favorite platform, just let me know. Yada yada, I say it all the time. Um, And you can find the Twitter for the podcast at JustAnotherCast. You can send me an email at JustAnotherJerkPodcast at gmail.com. And you can find all this information on the website, which is tinyurl.com slash jerkpod. Catchy, right? Jerkpod. Tinyurl and that is all for me I am Jonathan Isaacson and I'm out peace peace